Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Lord Lucan has become an almost mythical figure, a bit like the Loch Ness Monster he's been spotted many times in the last 48 years since he disappeared, having apparently murdered his, his child's nanny. Now a facial recognition algorithm at the University of Bradford has found a match for Lucan, a man living in Australia. And this technology has been used before successfully in other high-profile cases. Hassan Ugale is Professor of Visual Computing at the University of Bradford. Hassan, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, could you start by explaining to us how this technology works? Yeah, so face recognition technology as opposed to uh, human face recognition works in a slightly different way. Uh, so we use what we call artificial intelligence-assisted technology. So uh, what we do is we actually teach a computer algorithm how to uh, recognize faces. To do that, we collect a large sample of human faces uh, and then we train the machine, uh, the algorithm, um, essentially teaching the algorithm what a human face looks like, what different parts of the face, and how the aging process and all these things actually um, uh, is fed into the algorithm. And ultimately, the algorithm has learned about human faces. And we can use this algorithm to try and compare two faces or many faces. Now, the advantage of using a system like this is it's not uh, is usually not prone to bias, human bias, and uh, human level errors it's consistent and and it performs um, accurately in a consistent way and what kinds of things is it looking at when it's comparing faces is it the proportions of the faces or are there other factors too uh there are many other factors so uh when a human looks at a face we look uh, at the face in in three dimension of course we live in a three-dimensional world therefore we see the faces or any other objects in three dimension but when a computer looks at a face, a facial image, it looks at uh, in many, many dimensions. In fact, it can go up to 4,000 dimensions. Uh, so when it looks at, let's say, the color of the face, it will probably look at about 200, 300 dimensions of color, uh, variation or, 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 or grades of color, if you like. And, and same goes for texture. It, obviously, it looks at... Uh, uh, the uh, different uh, morphological uh, shapes of the parts of the face, like the nose, the eyes, and so on. It also looks at, looks at the proportions uh, and various other statistics on the face. So it is actually looking at what we call, um, in a very, very deep way, into the, fa- uh, into the face um, through what we call deep learning. So it's, these, it's, it's a technology of deep learning that we're using to try and uh, train these algorithms. And does it take into account the aging process, which I imagine would change the face? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, again, humans actually age in a, in a fairly consistent way. Uh, of course, different races and ethnicities, uh, people age differently. Um, and of, uh, it depends on, the, on your lifestyle as well, such as diet, smoking and, 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 and drinking and so on. But apart from that, in general, humans age in a consistent way. So these factors can be are actually incorporated in the algorithm in the sense that um, the images that are fed in are of various ages, ethnicities, races, and so on. So the algorithm is specifically trained to take age and effect into account. Right. So in the case of this man in Australia who you've studied, that's that's 40-something years uh, since, yeah. he was, since he was last seen. And so, uh, yeah. it, it, so does the computer kind of take into account a range of possible changes that could happen in that face? 
Yeah, indeed. So, so the computer is actually looking at uh, uh, not the changes that happened, actually the similarities, the the preserving similarities between these images. So, in this particular case, I analyzed. Uh, well, I didn't. I mean, the computer analyzed eight photos, uh, and these uh, photos ranged um, from very young to very old. Um, I didn't actually look at the ages, but clearly, uh, they are very different ages. I mean, there's a range of about, as you say, 40 years or so, presumably. Um, so when I ran these uh, on the computer, they all came to be a match to each other. So essentially, the, the way I did it was I asked the algorithm to try and compare one photo with every other and, and give me a score. And it was all coming out to be a match between the eight of them. Of course, some of them are very well-known photos of, of the individual. Mm-hmm. So, um, so in, in terms of of the score that you get, yeah, uh, is it a range of scores, and and what kind of constitutes a positive yeah. hit, so to speak? Yeah. So usually we are looking at a similarity index, what we call. So in percentage t- uh, terms, it's like seventy five percent and high. Uh, so what it means, if I took a photo shown of you today, and then if I took a photo of you, let's say a few days later. And I compared, I wouldn't get 100% similarity. I would get somewhere around in the high 90s. It's because, you know, there's like small pixel changes and then and, and background and things like that. So um, uh, anything above 75% similarity is an identity match. Now, when I say identity match, it could be an identical twin or it could be someone who looks uh, like this individual very, very much. Uh, apart from those, it's, a, it's, it's very like, you know, it's a match. So the the things that I I cannot possibly rule out are an identical twin, yeah, uh, and someone who looks like very 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 similar. And yeah, these are these are difficult things. D- d- does it matter or not how the the uh, um, the clarity of the photographs you're working from, how high resolution uh, they might be? To some extent, it does, but not greatly. As long as we can see, uh, a, a, you know, the picture. Uh, one of the things it actually looks for is a is a face. So the, the the first the starting point for the algorithm is looking for a face in that image, uh, which is exactly what um, interestingly does. So when you when you look at a phone and trying to open the phone and an app or something like that, um, basically it's looking for two eyes, a nose, and a mouth in that kind of order. Um, mm. And if it sees that, then it extracts that part and then tries to process it. Uh, but yes, of course, you know, the higher the quality, the better, because you got more information. Uh, but generally, you know, the, the pictures that we get from phones these days and also uh, pictures of pictures, if you like, you know, they are they are generally acceptable. Yeah. Now, the, the you've had your findings double checked, have you? Uh, I didn't. I believe uh, the mirror did. Uh, they actually... Um, actually, I'm um, employed in the company, apparently in the U.S. They did the similar sort of face recognition on that. I don't know exactly what algorithm they used, um, and it apparently came out to be a match as well. Okay. Now, you, you've used these bef- this technique before, though, in, in other cases. I suppose most famously, the listeners would remember the, the, the poisonings in Salisbury. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I've abused this, uh, this technique in um, any high-profile case including identifying the suspects of Salisbury poisoning. Um, I did this work for Bellingcat. Um, I did also some work uh, uh, to New York Times uh, on identifying some of the suspects uh, of uh, uh, the case involving Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, in that 
in, in that case specifically they were looking for an individual who was walking around the embassy during that time with a fake beard. Um, we were able to kind of identify that person. Um, and also um, uh, identifying a Nazi uh, who was given immunity in this country after the war. This was in in, um, in collaboration with BBC, so this program called a Nazi in the family. So yeah, very high profile cases have been have been working, and then the the algorithm has been put to good use, I believe. And these are very good use cases for for testing the algorithm and testing the capacity and the ability of our research in this in this area. Mm. So from a strictly scientific point of view, what's the percentage chance that this chap in Australia is actually Lord Lucan? Uh, that's very difficult for me to say. <laughs> All I'm saying here is uh, um, it's a match and, and there's strong evidence to suggest that uh, we should investigate this. Now, I have to say this. Uh, I mean, the, the facial recognition tool is an investigative tool. So therefore, once we have something that gives us a lead, I mean, this kind of evidence where the eight photos are coming as a match and, and obviously there are three photos that are kind of the, 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 the photos which are uh, question, with question marks. So um, if, if we are getting this kind of results, it's worthy of investigation. And, 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 and there should be other evidence that should be collected in line with, with this. Not just face recognition. There should, I'm sure, there will be. I mean, if somebody investigates, there should be other, other, others that should be taken on board and draw a conclusion. Yeah, given that he was declared dead, though, I think in 2016, it'll be interesting to see whether they do uh, reactivate that investigation or not. Fascinating findings, nonetheless. Hassan Yugail is professor of visual computing at the University of Bradford. Hassan, thank you very much. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.